Happy Tuesday, diary listeners. Okay, we're here today, and this will be a two-part podcast series, Diary Entry with Lita Edwards, and we're calling this first piece, Life's Metamorphosis. So enjoy, diary listeners. I know you will. Lita is a really, really awesome lady. Welcome to the Apprenticeship Diaries, where raw meets refined. Let's be real, we're still working on refined. <laughs> what it took, what it takes, and the stories that are made. Join us as we learn from professionals about how their stories begin. Awesome. Welcome, Apprenticeship Diary listeners. Diary. I don't know why that word is always hard. It always slurs. Anyway, um, I'm here today and blessed today to be with Lita Edwards of Meta- Metamorphosis Inc. And she also is on uh, IG as Boobs and Tattoos is like a big uh, forefront of the uh, the shop, mostly centered around mastectomies and scar cover up. In fact, we were just, we just met at paradise and, uh, you did a whole seminar about, uh, reviving people and covering up their scars and things like that. So instant kind of, uh, acknowledgement of the healing in tattoos, which is cool. Yeah. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Yeah, It's a pleasure. (laughs) I'm really excited. I am too. Uh, I'm glad we crossed paths up there. It was a really good show and we had a few opportunities to kind of chitty chat. It's pretty mm-hmm. awesome. <laughs> yeah. You're a cool, cool lady. And uh, I, and I, I have to mention this because it was just such a cool thing that I think your listeners should, should know. Um, right, right on your shoulder is this mouse that is just so evocative. <laughs> uh, it's like, but um, I, it was, it filled in a reference for me. Uh, it's Popo Gijo, right? Topo Gijo. Topo yes. Gijo. And Topo I've heard Gijo. of it, but I've mm-hmm. never seen this infamous character, well, not infamous, this this mm-hmm. classic nostalgic ca- character. And now I have a reference. So I might have to like take a picture, a screenshot or something just to show him. That's, that's fine. I can send you another one close up if you'd like. I would. I would. That'd be so cool. <laughs> that way it fills it in for everyone else. So if they hear about this, they can reference it. But I just thought he was such a cute character just sitting on your shoulder. It's awesome. Um, we'll give we'll give the listeners a visual so that when they see and listen, they can, you know, have that and look up on yeah. their own. But that was yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, how long have you been tattooing uh, at this point? 14 years, going on 15 years uh, okay. next spring. Right on. Um, uh, so you now was it a... Was a streamline like start tattooing and then go because my I had two apprenticeships and mm. uh, I I combine the years yeah. to fifteen but it was like start in like two thousand four and work to two thousand five and then come back at two thousand and nine ten so I had a I had like a a gap of like right. experience but did you just come in at like around two thousand nine ish two thousand ten. Uh- uh, yeah, it's very for tattooing. Yes, I did for the industry uh, in itself. Always been into tattooing, of course. But um, yeah, I got I kind of got thrown in there. Um, it's been a it's been a really interesting journey for me. But uh, that's when I ultimately 
started tattooing. I was 32 uh, when I chose to to seriously get into the industry with it. Very cool. Mm -hmm. I um I came in around 29 seriously, and I was told how late in the game I was. Yeah, I was like really kind of. I was like, dude, I feel like this is for everybody at every age. Like, hello. <laughs> you know what? You know what I love about it? The fact that like, I'm not hating the fact that I came into it older because. And for many, many years prior to that, I worked in so many artistic and design industries that really honed uh, what I brought to the table as a tattoo artist versus not having that knowledge. You know, I'm educated in landscaping. I'm educated in CAD and programming and design and architecture and interior stuff. You know, like I've done that for years, painting, uh, stuff like that. So uh, yes. it's been a fun journey. I'm, I'm really glad that it happened later in life. Me as well. I, I think that uh, there's a quite the ownership of um, who I am at that point, too, and what my boundaries are. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, of course, I found them through tattooing, too. But mm -hmm. but I knew a lot of my boundaries professionally in um, when I entered tattooing. And I think that's good, too, because there's a lot of abuse that can happen when you come in young. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was that literally just ran through my mind. I didn't come into it as a sex object for the guys in the studio, you know. Um, I, I personally, I came right out of the hills of Tennessee, not in a major city or anything. So it was, we might have had two shops in town, you know, the, the picking of where you were going to go and what you were going to do were extremely thin. So you had to have that tough skin and just put up with a lot of bullshit. <laughs> yeah, man. There was only two females in town and I was one of them. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was, um, I feel like that was my, my beginning as well. It was very male dominated, um, mm -hmm. getting less so in my second round of apprenticeship, but my first round was like in a biker shop in Kentucky. So very much mm -hmm. so that picture. Yeah. You get it. You get <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Totally. I totally. mean, it was fun. I'm not going to deny the fact that it had its own character and upbringing. And, and even in that, I love the journey and the struggle that I had to go through uh, yeah. just as a woman and then being an independent artist in a still a very male dominated industry is um, feels pretty powerful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, I think that, uh, I, uh, I don't know. Just in general, I feel like like a very dude lady myself. Like I, I don't know. Like I, I like I like I like fart jokes, and I like I like the oh things God. that guys like. Like I just think it's no. hilarious at times. It's you know you do have to have a very diverse personality, I guess, and get along with the best of them. As I always say. Yeah, I mean, if nothing else, just be like, oh, my God, and like not take mm -hmm. it too seriously, even if you don't like it, just be like, whatever, man, like, yeah, you can't take anything too seriously in a shop, honestly, like I, I told my staff, I said, look, we are going to spend more time with each other than you do your own wife or husband. So we have to make this work if we have to call in a therapist type thing. And yeah, uh, yeah, we do. Well, we all have a therapist. Yeah, well, and <laughs> For the work that you do too, I mean, you help other people um, bring back some joy and some empowerment in their life too. So that's that's something that you've been able through your own journey. It sounds like be really able to gift to other people through that because you know they're kind of overwhelmed by the very visceral reality of how serious their life has gotten out of their you know mm -hmm. out of their command and control. So to bring them back 
you know, you do, you have to have some levity, you have to have some joy and invoke that light again and give hope. So that's yes. good. Yeah, yeah, you do. And uh, I think I'm going to circle back to the fact that, you know, getting into it later in life, um, you come with things that you can relate to them with, you have experiences, you've, you've done things out there that, um, that, that you can relate to them on a personal level, which is golden and yeah. building those relationships with your client. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, you can stand in those spaces. I know that it was, it was the same for me and hair too. I do two apprenticeships and I did one really young and then I came back years later. I'm thick, man. Like I have to learn <laughs> the hard way all the time, hey, but I, but right. I, know, right? I just found a better command over the space after I'd lived a little bit. And, uh, you know, you can't really confront these biting issues that adults grapple from a point of, uh, youth. Honestly, it sounds, it, it's a little intimidating sometimes unless you've really lived. Mm -hmm. Um, and I hadn't, so I, I had a much more command over my, you know, not to say the authority, but like I could, I could hold my ground where I needed mm -hmm. to in the profession and uh, guide people in a, in a good way. Um, yeah. Whereas it intimidated me before. So I, I, I definitely understand that. <laughs> it's yeah. good. Yeah. No, I, yeah. when I was challenged that I had come in late and then I had to, I had to catch up. I was like, yeah, man, I'm on my own journey. It's cool. Yeah. It's whatever. Yeah. I've always been a late bloomer. Yeah. You know, it all makes sense though. You get a decade in, you turn around and look back and you're had to be that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely. Well, and what did that look like? So you decided that you wanted to get into tattooing. You said you'd been in it for a while, but like, how did you determine I... that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So I have to backtrack. Um, I've had a love of tattooing for, since I was very young. I had a couple stepbrothers. They were bikers always showing up with these amazing new tattoos, big, bold, traditional pieces, daggers, roses, skulls, that kind of stuff. And I would just sit and stare at them for like hours because I was so obsessed with the fact that you could ink on skin. Uh, fast forward, turn 18, going to go get my first professional tattoo. Had a couple of homemade ones by that time. And uh, the, the man that, again, Tennessee, not many choices. So we would drive like an hour to this other town to go to the shop. Um, Found the artist, did a great job, stayed with him for like four years, right? You go back, same guy, because same thing, uh, or get same stuff. And um, I guess at that time, like I said, I was 18, 19 years old. He offered me an apprenticeship, and I really thought that was an amazing thing. And I was like, oh, my God, this is like it, you know, like that, that little light bulb went off inside. And then he's like, yeah, man, it'll be $800. I'm like. We're in the middle of the sticks. I'm 18 years old. Who's got $800? You know, I need beer money this weekend. <laughs> and so I, I, I passed right? on it. I passed on it. And I actually um, took a break, went on, met somebody, you know, went, established a life, different town, so on and so forth. Moved out of the country, was coming back, didn't want to. Ended up back in a town I didn't want to be in. And uh, got upset one day, had some grocery money. I'm like, fuck this. I'm just going to go get a tattoo. This is when I was 32 years old. I hated where I was in life. You know, nothing was going right. And I walk into this shop, different town. Hadn't seen him in 
I don't even know, it was at least a decade or longer, right? Uh, never stayed in communication. And I walked into the shop and there sat my very first professional tattoo artist who offered me that apprenticeship. And I started a half sleeve with him. I was like, oh my God, you know, like, I can't believe it's you. So we're catching up on the past. And uh, uh, ironically, he offered it to me a second time. And uh, this was, you know, 14 years later. And the moment, the moment the words left his lips, that voice spoke to me. I've only had kind of a voice speak to me on like three different occasions in my life. And this was one of those times. And he said, uh, opportunities like this don't come twice in a lifetime. Wow. I didn't have to question it, you know? And he's like, yeah, man, I, I'd love to have you. It's $5,000. I'm like, $800 the last time we talked about this, you know? And he said, he literally looked at me, he's like, inflation. <laughs> like, okay. All right. Well, still again, you know, I was using my grocery money and I didn't have any money at the time, but I, I had somebody in my life that I was telling this to. And he said, you know what? I really want to see you make something of yourself. I'm going to give you this money. I don't expect it in return. Just promise me that you'll do a contract and you'll, you'll make it. And I said, okay and wow. uh off we went now the apprenticeship sucked you know if you <laughs> want to go into that we can but that's to answer that question well um did you get a contract i did i made him sign a contract with me okay. paid him in full five thousand dollars had to meet me at the bank had it notarized i wrote the contract myself um so that i could tie him in uh we're we're in the middle of the country what i didn't know you know, a lot of changes took place with him over a decade. And uh, he seemed cool when I was tattooing him and stuff, but I didn't know his personal life. So when I came into the apprenticeship, literally within the first week, um, I, he's a crackhead and he has a big drug problem. You know, all that shit goes. There was three other guys in the studio tattooing. They all three were apprentices. So he was flipping apprentices at 5,000 a pop. You know how that goes. And uh, about nine, 10 months in, he'd have a reason to fire him and off they'd go. <laughs> and it's a non-refundable fee. So he was out here just dealing and dealing. Well, I was under contract. I had nowhere else to go. And I, I, rem I heard that voice. You know, you can't take away the voice. At the end of the day, you can't take away the voice. So um, I stuck with it and I, I held him. I held him to his word and there was a lot of battles in there. He would... He came in one day and he's like, I know you want a tattoo. I need some money and ain't nobody going to be getting no work. And I'm just going to cut you back to one day a week. I'm like, mm -hmm. and then, ah, here's this piece of paper uh, you signed. It has timelines on there. And uh, nine months into my apprenticeship, he was closing the studio. And I remember me and the other guys, anything we learned at that time was we just fed off of each other. You know, he was completely against mags. This was when mags first hit the industry. Oh my God, to get them to switch over to mags, just like, it just wasn't happening. I think he still tattoos with a, a 14 round shader today. God, God help his that. clients. <laughs> That's <laughs> rough. It was, but he was a really good technical artist. His stuff healed well, never scarred. His color was solid. I mean, you, you couldn't you couldn't beat the work, but... So anyway, it was just up to us four apprentices. And uh, I don't know, we did what we could do. Nine months in, they decided they were finishing their apprenticeships. I still had three to go. They all left. They left me alone. He said, I'm closing shop. And so I literally called the health inspector 
And I said, I want to have a private meeting with you. And so I went and I met with the health inspector and I said, this is what's going on in the studio. This is the contract that I signed and this is my obligation. And he's not willing to own up to that. Um, I'm not saying I'm beautiful, but I'm not ugly either. And the other places around wouldn't hire me because they said I was competition. You know, if a woman come in, she's going to be feel comfortable with the woman. If the guy comes in, he's going to want the pretty girl, you know, type thing. So you couldn't get work out there. Then we're in the middle of the country. People ain't got money. You fight for it. You're good if you could pay rent that month. And uh, so I just fought against it the whole way. And the health inspector, he says, you know what? I've watched you for the last nine months. I know Larry personally. I've, I've worked with him for years. I'm going to sign off on your license and I wish you well. So I finished my apprenticeship in nine months. I couldn't get a job anywhere. I even went up to Nashville, the big city. Nobody would hire me. Uh, um, you know, I'm just a kid out of the sticks. So I said, fuck it. And I opened my own studio and the biggest growing location in town uh, with the most income per capita. And I've never looked back. Never wow. missed a rent payment. Wow. I, was, I had determination. <laughs> yes, you did. Well, and... I you know, it's one of those things like when your life gets to a, a point where it's about as low as you ever want it to be. Mm-hmm. It's really only, only, only road is up. So, yeah. There's you know? nothing else going on. Why not fight for it? I had something to fight for Other than that, I didn't have anything to fight for, you know? Yeah. And I, and, and I heard the voice that I knew this was to be followed regardless, come hell or high water, I was supposed to follow it. And I did. Right. So uh, just a question in, um, cause in Maryland here, there's no, um, there's no regulation. So Mm -hmm. it is, uh, described to me because there's a license obviously in Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Um, what did, what was the statutes of that license? How did you, how did that have to work? Um, so it's interesting because at the time, and I don't know if it still is today, I've been gone for, for quite some time, but, um, at the time, uh, we were the highest regulated state for tattooing in the nation, uh, wow. literally. So when you when you started into a studio, you and your mentor literally had to go down and sign up with the direct health inspector and you got what said apprenticeship license. And you didn't get tattoo certification license until you completed that year and your mentor said, okay, I'm releasing this person. Otherwise, the health department wouldn't sign off on it. And come the end of the year, your apprenticeship license is null and void. And you start all over again. Um, wow. So it was pretty regulated there when it came to that. But Kentucky next door had zero laws. You could just go down, pay 50 bucks at the courthouse and have a license. Uh, so a lot of a lot of people that didn't make it so much so in Tennessee would cross over to Kentucky because they could just go ahead and get it regardless work up there a few years and as long as you could show two to three years tax return you could come and just get your tattoo certification in Tennessee you didn't have to go through the apprenticeship program wow now in the apprenticeship um program did they just regularly stop into the shop or did you guys have to submit hours like was there um an actual program no okay no, <laughs> everything was left up to whoever you signed on for. You could get something, you could get nothing. It was everywhere across the board. The fact was, is that person willing to say you've completed in a year? Got you. So what did you learn beyond uh, 
just how to shade with rounds. <laughs> <laughs> we actually learned with mags, uh, you know, everything was coils. Rotaries didn't exist at that time. Um, and, and it was, it was so, it was so weird. It, thank God I had the three dudes in the shop with me, you know, um, because between the three of us, and this is going back, let me just say, folks, there was no Google. You know what I mean? We didn't have iPads. We did everything by hand. Don't fuck the stencil up. You don't want to yep. do it twice. <laughs> Conserve uh, that paper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and, but that was, I think, made me a more sound artist today because I know all those tricks of the trade. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, and, and you can think ahead a little bit more than, than your average, you know, person because, mm-hmm. um, there is that, like you said, you can't mess up. So it, it makes you be sure of the movements that you're making when you make them. Yeah. The guys fortunately had like other tattoo artist friends and stuff. So they would go and get little tricks and bring them back and we'd all gather in a room and try it out and stuff. So that's kind of how we learn. I, I fake it until you make it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I jumped and then just grew my wings on the way down, as that saying says. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that was that, uh, that leap of faith and also that voice, you know, like, just like, Mm -hmm. Hey man, get, get busy, get busy, (laughs) get busy one way or the other. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love it. That's, that's, uh, that's awesome. Um, as far as, uh, the machines, you did say coils. Do you remember your first machine? Yes, I do. Uh, it was passed on to me by him. I still have it today. Uh, I refuse to come off of it. Uh, it was one of his personal ones. It has his initials on it. Wow. And uh, it's it's kind of cool. It wasn't really a name brand uh, of anything because he liked drugs. And um, so the equipment wasn't, wasn't expensive, but it got the job done, you know, and he, literally within like the first month I had to break them down and put them back together and make them run and all that stuff. And uh, so I was able to take a crappy machine and kind of juice it up enough to get the job done. That's awesome. That's really cool. Did you have to do any uh, soldering or anything like that? He, you know what, he was getting out of it right at the tail end. And uh, that was something we really didn't cover. It is knowledge I would love to have. Um, for sure. But I think once I, nine months in, when I, excuse me, when I started my own studio, it was just full steam that point forward. So going back and you got to make money first. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And it was, I would work 12 and 14 hours a day. Mm. Excuse me. When I own the own, you know, when you own your own shop, you do what it takes to keep, keep the doors open. And I, until the last person was done, I wouldn't leave. Yeah, uh, because again, I was determined to make it, and there was not going to be a no anywhere. So part of your tattoo apprenticeship was like a full crash course in business ownership right away. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Bravo! <laughs> Thank you. That's really cool. Um, when we met at Paradise, like uh, you, I was doing an interview, and uh, and you were on the panel, and we were, you know, you were basically talking about what you look for in a person uh, to guest spot. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I was admitting how terrified I am for like 
this and you know part of it is I have a very comfy position of a lot of options which is great it's a blessing but it also can lead to paralysis um I think sometimes when you just have no choice you just make a choice and you just Mm -hmm. do it but um it's uh I I really admire that you know like I definitely want to guest spot for you now just to kind of see what you've created and crafted um, and and see what that uh, first first uh, shop like has evolved into. And I'm sure you have just a litany of things that you have learned. Um, yes. Yeah. I, so I'm what, still learning today. I mean, I'm not going to lie. When I was at Paradise, I'm teaching a course, but I'm also taking a course. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. I think that that's... Um, the humility of, you know, just, I think being a good person, being a good artist, being everything, you know, like it mm-hmm. just never thinking that you have the full picture, you know, you keep yeah. moving your chair around so that you can see something from all sides, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Very cool. Um, what, uh, so you opened the shop, it was in a busy dish- district. Um, you know, this is going to go off of my normal, asking just because this is definitely not a normal situation um <laughs> what did that look like so now you you own a business um what what was kind of the I guess if you can break it down for me because there's a lot that goes into that you know you you pick a location and you mm-hmm. um you know at this point you get to craft what wasn't afforded you so what did you want to create I guess when you went into this um I honestly, I wanted to create a place for women because I was so shunned by the guys in the industry and I moved it to the big city so that, you know, options hopefully of both artists and clientele were much more diverse and than what we were given out in the sticks. And, um, I, I did everything I could in the beginning to advertise. I mean, it's the, the, the journey was so divine and everything. I, I had this idea that I wanted to create this place and it was, I wanted to be, you know, one of the top studios in Nashville and stuff like that. And when you first come in and you're like a nine month, one year, two year artist, you think you fucking know it all. And you don't know anything really. Right. <laughs> you barely have a few toes in the water at that point. But um I didn't have a choice, like I said, so I I literally had to do it. I didn't have a choice but to do it, so I did it. And I just wanted to create an environment that was feminine. It was beautiful. It was edgy. I had women artists. I pitched to the the community. Um, I had female artists, you know, showcase their artwork in there uh, and stuff like that. So... I sort of went that direction with it. I was sort of all over the place uh, and trying to figure out what would work. And, uh, you know, I was a piercer, so we had piercing too and all that stuff. But the vision was, it was minimal at that point. I think first and foremost, my goal was to have a place where women felt comfortable. Right. Yeah, I got slung the same rhetoric when, when I was around guys and I already had, I was already tattooing and all of that stuff, this big, um, just, just observance of my sex, uh, that was odd to me because they're like, oh, you you know, you get, like you said, women want to be touched by you. Men want to be touched by you. It's like, you have this edge and, (laughs) and I, I, 
I never was cognizant of those things. Like, you know, when people ask me the question, what does it feel like to be a female tattoo artist? I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know what it, what it is to be a male tattoo artist. And, uh, I can tell you one thing, if I could leave, leave my boobs and vagina at home, I would, you know, Mm -hmm. they don't really serve me in that place, to be honest Mm -hmm. with you. They just, you know, I have to pee constantly and, you know, like, I don't like that. And my <laughs> boobs are sometimes in people's hands without me understanding, you know, the, the, the ergonomic, I'm just trying to get to what I need to. So for me, it was always like, I, I didn't like that that was even brought into the space because for mm-hmm. me, and I think like you, it was like, I, I just, I just wanted to do the profession. Like I just wanted mm-hmm. to do good art, do good service. And I like that that was something that you were trying to create and definitely from a very integral space um how did uh how was that received in uh your area beautifully i'll bet um <laughs> beautifully i um those men kind of damned themselves didn't they you know what i mean i'm not opposed to men like i had nothing but men to input into my into my brain and give me their knowledge or words of advice or whatever and some of the greatest I don't even know what the word is sayings that have stuck with me through the years, you know, as an artist came from men, but it, it was just, I think a lot of my problems with it is, is it was with the clients. They would come in and flirt with the clients, make clients feel uncomfortable. You know, you couldn't, they couldn't do a, a nipple piercing that they needed help type thing. I mean, it was just, it was constant like that. So I really wanted to get away from that. And when I did what I did in Tennessee and in Nashville, I launched it and advertised it as an all-female studio, and it took off. I mean, there was nothing like that that existed at the time. I've been interviewed by three major television production companies, nice. and um, they always wanted to do a show, but we never had enough drama in the shop. And they, they even did, they came in and interviewed everybody in the studio to get a feel for the stuff, and they just came back and said, you don't have enough drama, and I said, if it takes drama to put me on television, I, you know, which was not something I was even looking for. It's that they were looking and contacted me. I said, I'm not going to do it for you. I won't ruin the integrity of my team or the creativity that goes on around here. Uh, Cause that is first and foremost, the importance. And people just started flocking to me from the day I opened. I, I don't know if most people do this, join the chamber of commerce, you know, have the oh, grand wow. opening ribbon cutting ceremony and yeah. stuff. I have 50, 75 people in my studio. I, I didn't know who any of these people were. I was like, what the? And, but, you know, you put that face on and you act. And I remember uh, looking at my friend at that time. And I was like, this is my very first day opening a shop. I'm nine months as an artist. I have no fucking clue what I'm doing. I can barely tattoo script, right? And I look at her and I'm like, oh, my God, I don't know what to do now. And uh, she's like, you tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> and that was it so uh, somebody walked up and said hey i want to i want to get your first tattoo and uh it was a set of lips on his wrist and i love it uh, yeah i know right that's so, awesome <laughs> that's great yeah, yeah i usually ask what your first tattoo is but i kind of like that um you know you can tell me what your first is but that that one's a, an integral one because that's the first tattoo you did in your shop 
Hey, diary listeners. Well, tis the season, and I got just a few friends that I want to shout out before we get on with the rest of our podcast. First is something that took a reemergence. I actually did this huge, like, hot ones kind of comp you know, competition kind of style thing with friends of mine, recorded the whole thing, never posted it. It required me doing some video editing and I, I gotta be honest with you guys, that's a lot for me right now. So I didn't do it and I feel bad because uh, within it was shouting out a really great company. It's Tennessee Hot Sauces and it's a Tennessee Hot Sauce company. It's a great company. They're, they sell amazing hot sauce. In fact, Rico's been trying to have a lot of hot wing nights and he's just loving these hot sauces. Quite frankly, we, we had some leftover from when we did this competition or this night at our, at our house. And, uh, lately he's been digging back into them. He's like, man, these are good. They're so good. So they're handcrafted hot sauces. And from what I understand, they also have good beef jerky as well. Um, you can find them at T, as in Thomas, tnhotsauceco.com and order some hot sauces today. So if you know a really, you know, fervent hot sauce fan or somebody that you know that just likes that little extra flavor with everything, this would be a great gift for them for this holiday season. And, and you know, little known fact is that you'll be You'll be helping a smaller company, um, somebody that, you know, this is their their side hustle and a passion. These are all very, very fine-tuned uh, hot sauces that is very integral. You know, I, get, I think artisanal is what they call it. So anyway, uh, go get your Tennessee hot sauce. You will not regret it, and I think it'll make an awesome gift. Thanks, diary listeners. Okay, next on the list is my good friend, Tara. She's actually been featured on the podcast. Her name is Tara K. Bell, but her, her Instagram is Tara Kendall Creations. So definitely follow her there. And what you'll find there is an awesome link to her Etsy shop. She is selling fantastic uh, uh, creations on Etsy. She has a, a line of shirts. I, I believe she's selling all different kinds of things, notebooks, bags. I just got one of her, um, bags that she's so that, that she's selling there. I'm sorry, diary listeners this is all over the place, but, uh, go, uh, shop her inventory. She's got fantastic things with her artwork on it. I bought the bag that had her orchids on it and, and she's got a flavor for everybody, but you know, it's very, uh, what would I describe it as? Well, first of all, I know that her artwork is super integral. She takes, hours and hours and hours. She does all of this artwork by hand. Uh, she, I mean, it's, it's, it's impressive guys, because if she doesn't get it right, she scraps the whole thing and redoes it. So you know that you're getting really, really high quality of artwork from somebody who takes what they do very, uh, seriously and with a lot of care and she has some holiday features specials if you're kind of more of the witchy holistic I don't know uh, spiritual kind of person she's got you covered but there's a lot of really beautiful seasonal things right now I think a big one would be her reindeer that she has featured that's gorgeous and she also has a beautiful mistletoe star that if you really like to show how much you love this holiday I think it's best if you can adorn it, wear it, 
have a shirt, but also a beautiful thing is supporting a local artist who is out there. She's, she's blessing the world with her craft. She's enacting the gifts that she's been given. And when I tell you that she puts so much love into these things, I cannot, I cannot say that enough. So go to Tara Kendall Creations. It's the same thing on Etsy if you were to look her up there. But go shop her inventory and know that you're giving back to somebody who's a little person and who would really appreciate some love. Thank you. And I and know, Tara, that I love you. Happy holidays, everyone. All right, last shout out for the day. So coming up after Lita's podcast, which is awesome. I actually just interviewed a friend that I've had for a very long time, actually, Byron Brooks. He's a comedian in the local Maryland area. And uh, I wanted to have everybody go and start following him. The more you follow him, the more he gets seen by booking agencies and things like that. You can find him on IG at Byron Brooks. That's B-R-O-O-K-S comedy. Please go give him some love. Uh, He'll be performing in North Carolina this New Year's. So keep cheering him on the more people that follow him. And plus, who doesn't need a good laugh? I mean, this time of year, I think it's really hard for us to all hold on to our sanity and remember that life is ridiculous. But that's why you got to laugh. Thank you, diary listeners. Back to our podcast. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. I don't even the know. The first one I did, it was a pot leaf on my mentor's arm. <laughs> and he made me do it lineless in soft gray shade with a pot leaf in negative space. As if this is my first tattoo ever. That's hard. The misty. I know. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> so he threw at me. It was great. <laughs> How'd you do? Uh, I think it was kind of half-assed, really. I don't know. It was. He kept yelling at me. It's too dark. You're getting it too dark. I'm like, it's like I don't even know what I'm doing, man. <laughs> How long did it take? Like, cause this first time, like two hours. Yeah, they take two forever. Hours. And it was like, you know, this big, probably like an inch by inch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> dude, they take forever. I remember John coming into my my room, being like, "Dude, are you still doing this?" And I was like. Mm-hmm. It was like six hours for what should have been a two-hour tattoo. And I was like, yeah. I, I, uh. and, and I'm not using anything bigger than 14 shader. Don't forget that. Yes. Well, and for, <laughs> for that kind of shading. Washing. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's rough, man. That's rough. Um, <laughs> Was the lips better? <laughs> they were, actually. They weren't as nerve-wracking. Oh, I don't know. I have to say they were both pretty nerve-wracking. It was a first and a first for real, so. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, now, what did the lips, did they have color? Oh, of course. They were red or pink or what the hell ever color they wanted, so. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. I love that. That's so cool. So um, how many uh, artists did you have right away, or did it just start out with you, and then, like, how did that look? Uh, there was two of us. And, um, yeah, she was with me for a hot minute and then she ended up stealing and then that had to go to the wayside. But, uh, I had several artists kind of come and go during that time. Um, but what I quickly found out is it's not easy to staff a studio at all. Uh, 
well, that's part now, of my fear. <laughs> yes. So now I'm working in a town that's, you know, 95% male. And uh, I think I'm going to hire all these artists. And guess what? No man really wanted to work for me. Yeah. Yeah. And so in, in the few women that I, I did have, um, you know, majority of them kind of got intimidated or something. I, I did have some good ones. I'm not going to lie. Everybody's just kind of on their own personal journey, but um, yeah, I rocked that for a while. And uh, I listened to the wind and then the wind blew and I went and did something else. Yeah. I do find that that um, has been my experience too. It's like, uh, and you know, I don't, I don't even like to default to it because I'd like to think that you know, to, to the whole, like people want to be touched more and served more by women than men. I do feel like in, in terms of leadership, at least that I've found that there's, I've encountered a lot of intimidation and lack of wanting to listen by both women Mm -hmm. and men. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, I feel it's, it's kind of a hindrance too. So, um, and I, there's a book that I read, uh, Cheryl Stamborn, I believe, or Stam might be brutalizing, but uh, it's a uh, um, stand up. Is it stand up or um, Cheryl Stamborn? Stamborn, and it's a uh, oh, I might have to cut this out because and and repaste it in, but. <laughs> I'll have to look up the actual name, but uh, it's a it's a book about how she worked as a a lead in Facebook and and um and uh, she uh, basically you know just encouraging women to uh, embrace certain parts of themselves even within that space. And she said that working there, they were actually pretty accepting of her, even even you know, going through motherhood and things like that and dealing with what that actually yields in, in a lot of ways. So, um, but that's not, I, I always felt hindered to have children um, from my experience. So I, I decided not to, um, that mm-hmm. was something that just, just in pursuing my passion so much, I, I chose not to. Um, it didn't, it didn't feel like it was uh very accessible for both avenues honestly I have to agree yeah yeah Yeah. I never had children uh, thank god (laughs) (laughs) yeah I can honestly say that for myself too I think I'm a much better person and a much better um gift to the world the way that I took it Uh, I don't think it would have been as good otherwise yeah me either plus it takes so much away from trying to focus on a career that is really a lifestyle it's not it's not an eight to five job you either live it breathe it sleep it and shit it or you shouldn't be in it yeah <laughs> personally because it, it really takes that much um and that's the beauty of it i think most anybody that does it we're doing it because it's our passion so it's it's not a job we're willing to do that you know i think anybody that gets in it and thinks it's going to be easy and they could just work a few hours a day and make a bunch of money and it's they're, they're sadly now working in construction and at Walmart, but uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, for real. <laughs> well, yeah. and, and the, um, you know, to the, to the kid point, I mean, I honestly, I honestly too, the part of that too, is I, I, I haven't really picked partners that really help uplift me. And 
there might be some credit in my personal journey as to uh, I do find that I emasculate people quite a bit and I don't mean to, but I'm not an easy person to lead. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a blind follower. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's I, why I don't I, think, I don't think a lot of women probably in this industry is because it does take the balls, you know, mm-hmm. we, we, we didn't get here by uh, just following the leader. <laughs> right. Well, and like you said, the passion, so much of it, you know, art has been my first sanctuary, you know, like that, that's like a place I go to atone. And, and I feel like there's a jealousy for that too, how much we, we sacrifice to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that that kind of gets in the way sometimes when you have a partner who, um, you know, at least for me has been, you know, uh, w- wanting me to focus more on, I guess, the relationship. And for me, it's like, well, the relationship should help booster what we want. And what I want is more of this. <laughs> so if you take away that, yeah. you're taking away my soul. <laughs> yeah. I'm not me. <laughs> so. Yeah. 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 That's how it is. Um, yeah (laughs) when that happens you gotta go (laughs) yeah yeah exactly and that's kind of what happened (laughs) I think too though you know I've I've had the beautiful opportunity of helping to raise so many children and now my tattoo children are really like my children you know I have I have three and um I've put everything into them you know that's really I, cool. I can't give them any more um and they're all phenomenal artists they're they're really come a long way in a very quick time and uh, I'm very proud of that I'm but glad that you not having not having one personal kid at home to have to focus on really freezes up I think to focus on so many children whether it's in the industry or not um there's so much more we have to offer I feel uh, to other kids like that so I have many children none of them that I had to birth thank god yeah I agree with you I totally agree with you um it's kind of one of the reasons why I started this podcast was because um you know I only have one apprentice that was successful mm-hmm. but uh like you I do I do think that there's part of that journey that was very um if not the whole thing a very call to motherhood and things like that and just kind of looking at it from that kind of perspective and I and I agree I think that that's been kind of my my window into something that I I did I chose on the birthing Mm -hmm. part of it to Mm -hmm. kind of you know uh go into this space and I also found that like people like you and people like me I had so many mentors outside of my parents that Mm -hmm. really helped you know, push me through that I wanted, you know, this is a kind of an homage to them in certain ways of just being that person, you know, like that in between person that kind of helps you bring, bring you back and steer you and give you little things that maybe don't come or that you don't even listen to from your family, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I do have, because my wife is reminding me of here. 
I do have a, yes, I, we have a, I have a stepson. She has a son. Oh, um, yeah. Yes, but I, I do have a stepson. I came in when he was 16, so I got all of his experimental years, you know. Oh, lovely. <laughs> <laughs> he's actually, he's a really good boy. Uh, I can't That's complain awesome. at all. He's, he's a good kid. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah, that was a, that was, a, I'm, I've never dated anybody that had a kid and that's something that I haven't experienced. Um, I'm open to it, but I'm very opinionated. So I don't know if they'd be open to it. <laughs> you know what? If they're not, they're not, that's not, that's not going to be the right relationship for you. That's the way to take that. I'd have to agree. I'd have to yeah. agree. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, um, I, so you have apprenticed three people and given them your all, uh, what, what are some things that, you know, because all parents, uh, whether you've birthed them or your step parent, all parents try to give better than what they got. So what were some things that you made sure to do? Uh, as in define that a little bit more. Like sure. Um, did the contract thing lead into your teaching them? Did you charge them for an apprenticeship? How did, how did you receive them and how did that look? Okay. Like? All yeah. right. How they, how they got into it with me. Yeah. I did actually. I mean, that was the way I was brought in. Um, two years into my career, I'm still a baby, had my business, you know, a year and three months at this point. And of course, I mean, I had a great studio. It was thriving. I was making money and paying the bills, but I wasn't learning, you know, I didn't really yeah. have anybody better than me sitting there. I didn't have anybody in a lot of people in town to go and learn from. And that's when I came across paradise tattoo gathering. Uh, it was in a magazine back when print was in and uh, I was in a magazine and I saw it and it was just like, I have to go to this. I didn't know there was this education conference, you know? And uh, so I went and I was so in love because I learned so much from that. I finally had a place to really learn. And, and I remember Teresa Sharp being on the women's panel that time and having so much to say with her apprenticeship. I heard her story and stuff, and it was just so inspiring and everything. Um, so coming back around to your question with, with my apprentices and stuff, I took all of that into consideration in, in how I came into it and what I learned from other artists. So I have made them do the apprenticeship duties. Now they're not scrubbing toilets with a toothbrush. And I don't make them, excuse me, do things earn their way, so to speak. You know, the things, what I want them to do in earning their way is pretty much always pertaining to tattooing in itself, yeah. you know. Um, but so I charge them. I started out when I started with my first one, it was $5,000. And uh my next one, all three of them have been 5,000. Now they're, I'll go up probably to 75. From, I don't know. I, I don't, not really even in the market to take on another apprentice at this point because I'm getting ready to become a tattoo grandmother. My first apprentice is taking her first apprentice. It's a girl. We're so excited. <laughs> That's so awesome. That's so awesome. <laughs> yes, and it's amazing. And part of her apprenticeship will be a photo shoot with all of us holding our her new baby so that'll be fun <laughs> it's things like that you know oh man that's um, awesome. that they have to suffer out but um so yeah I took them at five thousand they had no idea on on doing a contract or anything and I'm like we're gonna put this under contract because I feel like there's this mindset that if you feel it's legit it's legit it's not just out here 
vocal in the air or anything can change tomorrow. I honestly wanted them to know that I was committed to them enough to sign the contract. It wasn't really about them being committed to me. It was about me being committed to them. Uh, so that was one thing that I did with them. And uh, it just started, I mean, I did the same thing, I guess. And so I make them start on the front end, you know, you don't really tattoo until you're like six months in. Uh, you've got to prove yourself on paper. You got to learn the whole scheduling aspect and stuff. And tattooing is the last part of the job. That's the fun part. But you got all the bullshit up to that point to deal with. And we learned that first. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I agree. Uh, well, I do charge them. I only, I make them do, um, they have to, I give them a, a, a project, I guess, a task, a drawing challenge, and they have to come back with this, with this drawing, you know, and show me that they can, they can do this talent and I interrogate them quite a bit. <laughs> when they, um, when they come to you asking for an apprenticeship, has it, has it looked a whole bunch of different ways or have you, um, have ha, did it come about the same way as it happened with you where they came in for a tattoo and uh and you you know how did that go because I went hunting for an apprenticeship you know I went door to door and like had a portfolio and wanted mm -hmm. to you know show it and mm -hmm. all that good so, stuff it's so it's so funny because all three are unique in their own story okay and how they came in so my first one her mother was a client and I'm tattooing her one day and she's, she's telling me about her daughter. And I worked, this was before I opened the studio. I worked for another shop. I'd been there for years. And uh, she starts telling me her daughter is an artist and wants to be a tattoo artist. And, you know, you're tattooing. So, I mean, every mother's daughter is an artist. The summary I'm not, you know, you know, type stuff. And uh, she's like, oh, what would it take to get an apprenticeship? And I said, well, I was at that point in my life. I really needed help. You know, I'm running I, at that time. I was, you know, three, two to three months consistent in advance for years and uh, was like, I, I really need some help. I'm tired of spinning my wheels. And um, up until that point, I was able to um, commit 23 hours of my day to my career. And uh, right about that time, I think it was or just before I met whom is now my wife. Um, and for the first time, literally in my career, I didn't want to be in the studio. And so it was really hanging up on things that I was getting done. So when she said that I was looking at her and I was like, okay, I really need some help. You know, if she's an artist, tell her to come see me. We'll figure it out from there. So she called me like a month later. <laughs> she was hey. so swift, you know, I was like, <laughs> forgotten about it. I was like, whatever. And, uh, so we met, we met that day. Uh, she didn't have much of her portfolio. And I was like, well, I'm going to give you a drawing challenge. I didn't have any other options. I wasn't going to advertise it, you know? Yeah. And I, I kind of ride on that. If it's, if it's to be, it will be anytime I've ever needed someone or hired someone. I've never until here recently, I think after we opened the shop, uh, I didn't run any ads or nothing. I just, people are led to me when they're supposed to be there. I've honestly believed that. So it's very little effort on my part. And I just keep my ears and my eyes open. And when you know, you know, when you're there. Yeah. So she met with me, did the drawing challenge. I said, come up here. I was working in a shop. We had eight artists going in there. And I was like, you got to come in like any other artist would be here. Even though I'm your mentor, 
Yeah. I still have, you know, obligations in a studio to abide by just the same. Um, within less than maybe close to a year, uh, I was coming on the outs with that studio because the mastectomy and the scar side of my career was really, really taken off. And it was one huge open studio. And um, a lot of things started going to the wayside. I started losing the ability to control my environment when it came to what I was doing. Yeah. And so it was just a, in the end, it was just a matter of, I just outgrew him. It was time. Mm-hmm. And when it was time, it was time. And I had her, she opened the shop with me. She's still with me. It's coming up on six years. Aww. And uh, yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And then my next one, Kaiser, uh, he came in. I didn't need anybody at the time. I actually had another apprentice and I had to let him go um, for making too many serious mistakes and not even thinking that that was wrong. <laughs> <That's how laughs> <I came. laughs> God so, bless uh, Kaiser for coming, man. Yeah. Well, well, I had that guy and then, and then Kaiser showed up and like, oh, I don't have room for you, you know, whatever, whatever and he goes on. Um, lo and behold, I had to let this guy go. All of a sudden one day he calls me up on the phone and he says, Hey, I'm not really happy with the shop. Can I come talk to you? I'm like, sure. And he was nine months into his apprenticeship over there. It had been nine months since I seen him or talked to him. Um, and he came in and, and we just, um, kicked it off that day. I said, yeah, sure. You know, I'll give you a chance. He was still an apprentice. I said, you come on over. And so he did. Well, they took on another apprentice at the same time. Um, and she was still there, but they fired her like a week later because they were so close. You know, they were like brothers. You know how apprentices are brother, yeah. sisters. They'll forever be together through their careers. And um, so I took him on great, amazing decision. He's still with me today. It's coming up on Aww. three years. Uh, we started all over with his apprenticeship because they didn't teach him anything. And um, a couple of weeks later, they fired her. And he's like, oh, my friend, you know, she's not, you know, this, this and this. And I, I have another sister shop that have been friends of mine, very dear friends of mine for quite some time. And uh, so we, we ping off each other a lot. And, and so I called him up and I said, hey, I know you guys got a position. I got her an apprenticeship over there. Nice. So that worked out pretty well. And now we're like all one big happy family. And that's how he came about. Then Iris came down from Oklahoma to pay $5,000 to go to a 14 week tattoo school. <laughs> mm. And then she came to me wanting a job. And um, one of the things with her, I wasn't, I'm, I'm at the point, like, I'm not even going to talk to anybody new. You're going to pass through my staff first. Right. And my wife and everything before I'm even going to sit down with you. Uh, I just learned that. And I mean, my time is so valuable in what we do is it, it, when we get to this level, you know, you just don't have time to be wasting with things that may or may not. You know, I want the for sure when it comes to me or I don't want to be a part of it at all. And so they were in the interview with my third one. And she she came in and she said, Lita, you know, I think you should just my wife. She's like, I really think you should come out here and meet this girl. I'm telling you, you got to come meet this girl. So I went out, sure enough, she won me over and uh, she just had all the right things to say. I even said to her, I was like, where have you been reading? What have you been doing? Because you're literally sitting here with all the right things to say. Where did that come from? And um, she's just a go-getter, has a lot of drive, big personality. And so I said, you're going to go through this whole process like the others. I mean, you got to do 
a weekend. If everybody likes you, you'll come back for a couple of weeks. If we like you at that, then you'll come back for a two-month trial. Um, hopefully you won't leave at the end of that two-month trial, but that leaves me an out. If I don't like you, I still have one more chance to get rid of you. Yeah. And uh, I, I really base it on the team. The team has to commit anything. Anyway, trying to shorten it up a little bit. That That's how she came in. And uh, I charged her $5,000 and made her start all over again. Yeah. Good. That's yeah. very good. Yeah. Cause it's kind of a new commitment. And um, I will say you that, know, go ahead. I'm sorry. You got it to me. You have to come in to the industry that way. You have to have some sort of commitment to it. I think if you come in and you don't pay an apprenticeship fee, you don't have any value to what you're mm-hmm. receiving. Yep. Yeah. I, um. So part of the, the seminars that I did at, at paradise was uh, a freebie on uh how to be a good apprenticeship prospect. And, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I kind of, you know, gave some tips, but at the end, one of the questions I got was from a guy who is out in Portland and, uh, they have tattoo schools out there. And he mm-hmm. said, you know, they're, they're kind of churning them out quite a bit and it's very mm-hmm. saturated. And he said, you know, these people are paying for education and then it's really hard for them to get work and they don't really know what they should know too and um so I think that it's it's kind of good to do that because with the seriousness of this profession it's it's much like I would equivocate it in a lot of ways to parts of the medical profession where you have to do practicals and you have to like you know there's levels Mm -hmm. to your education um Mm -hmm. and I think that 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 gives it a nice level is like, okay, well, you, you paid for like this foundational education. Now you have to do, you know, this level of it. And if mm-hmm. you finish that portion of it, then you can come in and, and be full ranking artist, you know, here. Um, but mm-hmm. I think that gives it away. What I told him was, um, you know, in their, their atmosphere. And it sounds like in, in that atmosphere too, in Tennessee, where you have a tattoo school, um, it would be nice if um, I said, you know, the government's already involved bureaucracy is already involved in in that so for me it would be really nice if they offered shop owners like a stipend to take on artists um mm-hmm. to, you know that come out of these schools as prospects from them you know above somebody off the street perhaps you know like reward you guys for you know taking on their students and i don't know if you have anything to add about that but that was the only thing i could offer him i I do have something to add. So I'm not in Tennessee anymore. I'm in Florida. Right. And down here, we have the issue of the schools popping up. And mm-hmm. there's one literally just right up the street. Um, I know the guy personally, and it's such a shit show operation um, with how they're doing it. He's not even a licensed artist. You know, oh he's God. just <laughs> right? he started tattoo school. I don't know anything about it. So yeah. Sounds like me opening my first shop. Why not? You know? Yeah. <laughs> And, um, but, but he opened this and when he first started doing it in his first few rounds, I know the numbers were, um, the first one he did 14 weeks, he had 12 students, $5,000 a piece. Wow. That's a the math a, on that. That's a, wow. That's a lot of money and not a lot of time. 
and his educators are just artists. He's just hiring it off the street that need a job. And, he, and that's like one of his incentives. Oh, you come work for me and I'll make you this educator and get you involved in my tattoo school. So he's snowballing the other artists that are coming in. So they're literally, and I know because I've got one in my studio right now because she had all the right words to say to convince me. And another thing too, with my apprentices, my apprenticeships, there are two years. I don't do one year apprenticeships. It's two years. Right. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what they're doing here. And there's another one that's popped up and somehow, somehow, I don't know how they're getting it state approved. Like they're, the state is like, okay with this. If you want to come work for me, you got to do at least a year apprenticeship. But if you want to go to the school for 14 weeks and pay the same amount, 14 weeks versus two years, we have so many kids that are taking the, the you know, the fast wagon to try to get where they want to be this rock star, you know, tattoo artist. And I guarantee every 14, every three months, I have a flood of artists contacting my studio <laughs> trying to want, want the job, you know, and uh, it's just very, it's very disheartening. But one of the things that I've noticed, so our local suppliers, Kingpin Tattoo Supply is a big one. Lucky's Tattoo Supply is another one and stuff. They won't sell to them at all if that's right. where they've come out of like they've locked down you're not real artists you know you're not going to buy our product so you're seeing them on amazon and ebay you know getting all their stuff that they need but mm. um i think on that note one thing that i'm starting to do or want to start to do is uh um offer extended courses like i don't want you working in my shop with a 14 you know with a 14 week certification but uh I love that. Refreshment. She's in there getting it right now. So, um, <laughs> That's awesome. You didn't get to meet her. No, um, I didn't. You didn't get to meet my wife. You want to pop in real quick? No, yeah. Let her see Follow your beautiful you right face. Now. I know. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> nice to meet you. I mean, you're part of the crew as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> she, 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 she said you're part of the crew as far as she's concerned. I've got you on my earbuds, so right. she can't hear what you're saying. Um, but anyway, that's my sweetheart. Oh, I love it. <laughs> yes. She's the, she's the stick figure goddess. So side note on that, I come up to Paradise, set up the, the booth space and everything. Wait, 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 right? did you say the brains? the brains of the operation. Um, Gotta have them. <laughs> I put... <laughs> So we've created this whole thing with her. Her motto is uh, crooked lines start to finish. She doesn't know how to fucking tattoo. And she only tattoos with a coil machine. And she has to be drinking the whole time. It's really a fun ordeal. You would have to come in on that. But it's an experience. I mean, I can work 80 hours on a sleeve and, and they'll get a stick figure and like that so much more. Than a Amazing. Tattoo, you know yeah it is it's the dumbest ones that make everyone happy <laughs> it's true it's very very true it's hilarious i love that <laughs> thank you <laughs> it's a good balance to the studio with what we do because we do deal with a lot of emotion out of the shop and uh, she comes in like a fireball and the next thing i know people are leaving with stick figure tattoos that's a it's beautiful thing it's a nod to the empowerment too, because whenever people meet you as an artist, they're like, "Oh, I can't draw a stick figure," and and she's like, "Yes, you can. <laughs> yes, you can, because I do, and that's what I do, and I permanently affix them to people." <laughs> uh, yeah, 
Yeah. Now she'll draw it and put the stencil on. It may not look like that when it's done, but um, yeah, but they still the look like a stick at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> that was the point. Like we, it's successful all the way around. And that's the thing, right? Like, um, you know, part of the, the thing that in, in all of this that people don't realize is that uh, whatever we do in, in any art uh, that you look at and you admire, you, you, you go, wow, you know, they're so amazing. Well, it was just little efforts consistently that, that did that, you know? Mm -hmm. And if you will that to happen on a consistent level, you can. Um, So I, I, you know, when people say things like, oh, I couldn't even draw a stick finger. I'd be like, you'd be amazed what you can do. Actually, (laughs) you definitely can draw a stick figure. (laughs) Now it's like, I can't even draw a straight line that I'm like, dude, who the hell can draw a straight line? Like that, that's hard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like you're, you're actually, let's talk about that. That's, that's yeah. a hard one. Like <laughs> that is one of the greatest features of using the iPad. Right. I know, right? <laughs> well, and, and, you know, in, in tattoo land, at least with coils, the, a, a nice thing that, you know, just for our audience sake, you know, one of the things it's kind of like a good blade, you know, you want the tang and the blade to weigh the same mm-hmm. and that, that gives you the stability in the cut. Um, if you, you know, if you're wielding a blade or things like that, same thing with a tattoo machine, if it's a coil, you want the, the front end to match the back end and that pressure downwards really helps you kind of pull that straight line. So mm-hmm. it's a lot different than doing it with a pen and on a freaking iPad too. It's ridiculous. Cause if you don't get matte screen like covers and stuff the thing's so slick that you can't like you get like every wiggle every wiggle shows yeah it's ridiculous yeah (laughs) okay diary listeners that's the end of this week i want you guys to know it's pretty difficult to find a good place to cut these diary entries up because it the whole conversation is great So I really implore you guys to come back next week for part two. Lita is such an awesome lady, very rare, and her experience is just incredible. And what I really like about her time is that, you know, she's very understanding of the regulations. She has multiple states that she can actually speak from because she's worked in multiple states. And, um... she's just a wealth of knowledge and like she and I uh kind of admitted to each other by the end we could we could have kept talking like for hours after it was just such a fun conversation she's a really beautiful lady and uh, I hope that you guys will take the time in between now and then to follow her wherever you can she's artist Lita on IG and she also has a page specifically for her work in uh scarf you know scar recovery uh boobs underscore and underscore tattoos uh, boobs and tattoos so make sure to follow her wherever you can she does amazing work is a beautiful human as always diary listeners thank you Lita thank you so much and uh, this happens to be for, for those who celebrate the first day of Hanukkah. So happy Hanukkah for all of you that practice. For all of us, 
I'm wishing everyone a very happy holiday season. Bless you all. And uh, we hope to see you and hear you. Well, hear you. Be with you. Be with you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can find The Apprenticeship Diaries on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our IG is the underscore apprenticeship underscore diaries. If you would like to offer constructive criticism or an interview, drop us an email at theapprenticeshipdiaries at gmail.com. We We look look forward forward to hearing from from our our listeners. listeners.